We're continuing on our series, the fact we're coming to the end of our series, The Journey to the Cross. And today's message really is about, it's about our journey. It's about our journey to the cross. This is what it's all about. And, um, and I loved how today we remembered Anzac Day. Tomorrow is the day, 25th of April. But we remembered Anzac Day today. And the year was 1915. Anybody remember 1915? Right? The world was at war. The world was at war. And on the slopes of Gallipoli, the sons of Australia and New Zealand created history. The combined forces, the Australian-New Zealand Army Corps, known as the Anzacs. The Anzacs who fought bravely against appalling odds, appalling odds, and faced constant death and despair. So Anzac Day commemorates all soldiers, all soldiers throughout the years, throughout the ages. Every serviceman and every servicewoman, past and present, since 1915. 1915 was a time of great testing. It really was. It was a time of great testing for the world. It was a time of great testing for this nation. And if you're looking for a title of my message this morning, it is The Test. The Test. What's a test? A test is a way to measure someone's skill, someone's knowledge, someone's resolve, right? Think about it. You need, a, you need to pass a test to... Um, to get a degree, right? Otherwise, if you don't need to pass a test to get a degree, we all, we all can have degrees. Anybody got a degree in here? I put my hand down, right? You know, I always say, my wife, she's got a degree, degree in music, and so I say she's the brainiest one in our, in our house, right? I've, I've only got a diploma, but hey, you know, it's okay. You've got to pass a test. Think about it. We need to pass a test to drive our cars. Well, we're supposed to pass a test to drive our cars. Uh, anyway, and you're supposed to you, we need to pass the test. Um, like if you're going, if you're going to get an op- have an operation, right? Right. You want someone to operate on you who's passed some kind of medical test. Isn't that correct? You know. So, oh, you know, what? I didn't pass the test, but hey, it's okay. I know what I'm doing. You wouldn't trust them, right? Tests are very, very important. And what do tests do? Tests do. It, it, it shows how we can measure up to something. Right? What we, and tests are a normal part of life. And, and even, even in our own life, and, and, and we also face tests, difficult tests in our own lives, making difficult decisions that sometimes test our character. You know, you ever see this? Don't you test my patience? Anybody ever said that before? So when we say don't test my patience, it means that I have a lot of patience, but right now you're testing me to the limits of that, that patience. Don't test my patience, right? See, so testing is a natural part of being human. It's, 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 it's a natural part of being human. So no wonder, no wonder, no wonder the Bible sees testing as a normal part of biblical design. Testing is a normal biblical design pattern. Did you know that? In fact, on the first pages of our Bible in the book of Genesis, there's a test. God has a test with Adam and Eve. It tests Adam and Eve right in the beginning. God said to them, you can eat this tree, the tree of life. When you eat from this tree, you'll, you'll live a, a, a fullness of life abundance. But do not eat this tree over here, the tree of knowledge of what is good and bad. Because when you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and bad, it will lead to death. And this is the test. To trust in God's, God's wisdom or trust in our own wisdom. And we all know the story. Adam and Eve fail the test. So here's the question. Why will God test us in that way? Why will God put a test like that in the garden in the first place? You know, God, if you didn't do that, then, and, and, and then we wouldn't have the issues today. Anybody ever thought that? 
right? Why did you test us? Here's the thing. What does a test do? It proves, it, it proves what's inside of us. It proves what's inside of us. It, 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 it proves our resolve. And I remember when Tepare, my son, was going for his rugby trials to make a certain rep team, right? And he, he had to be tested. And I wanted him to be tested. It's not like that I'm some kind of evil dad that wants him to be tested to see if he fails or not. I wanted him to be tested because I know what's inside of him. I know that he has what it takes. And I'm proud of him. And I wanted him to be tested because I knew that he would pass the test. And he did, and he made that team. Made that team that year. So God has designed humans to be co-creators and co-rulers with them. And that's what it means to be made in the image of God. right? To be co-creators and co-rulers with them. This means that the opportunity to be truly human in the way that God intended is a test. It's a test. It's a test that God knows what's inside of you. God knows that because He's made you, He created you, and He created you to overcome. He knows it's inside of you. But it's a test before us. A test before us, and it's a test where we decide. The choice is always up to us. We can choose the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We can. We can trust in God's, in God's wisdom, or we can say, you know what, I'm going to seize the opportunity to redefine what's good and evil in my own eyes. You know, we can choose. What do we choose? The choice is all ours. In fact, the test given to Adam and Eve is also given to their children, as we begin to see the next story in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of Yahweh, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man, right? It's quite interesting because, like, can, can you imagine Eve getting, she's thinking she's getting pregnant? Think about it. She has never, ever seen anyone else get pregnant before. She's the only one. She's the first woman. So all of a sudden, she's like, you know, Adam's like, wow, Eve, you're kind of putting on some weight there. You know, you know you're having a, you know, you, you, you seem to be growing. So what's going on here? There's, there's movement going on. I'm not sure what's going on. And she gives birth. She is, you know, can you imagine that experience? Never knowing what's happening. Never knowing. And she says, and, and when she gives birth, what she says, with the help of the Lord. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what, what I've done. But, but, but the Lord was with me, and I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel, right? There's, it doesn't say with the Lord's help because now she knows what she's doing. Okay? Now she knows what she's doing. Later, she gave birth to her brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, as an offering before Yahweh. But Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of his firstborn of his flock. So the story begins, it opens up with the brothers offering a sacrifice before the Lord. Cain offers a sacrifice from his, from his crops. Abel, Abel offers us a sacrifice from his flock, right? But here's the thing. The narrative doesn't tell us why they're offering or bringing forth these sacrifices. We don't know why they're doing that. It just says they did. But you know what? It doesn't take us too much for us to understand what's happening here. Because remember, Cain and Abel, they grew up outside of the garden. And you can only imagine Adam and Eve talking to their sons about what life was like in the garden. Oh, it was amazing. We walked with God. And, you know, God, you know, and, and we were meant to be co-rulers and co-creators with God. And, and, then, and then they failed. See, so here they are. They're now living 
because of the consequences of their parents' failure of passing the test. And here they are. And so Cain and Abel, they want to reclaim. They want to reclaim the calling of, the, of these image bearers to be co-creators and, and, and co-rulers alongside God. So, so what better way to symbolize their love and their commitment, their loyalty, than with a sacrifice, right? What better way to do that, right? We don't know. But here's the thing. As soon as they offer these sacrifices, we see that making a proper sacrifice isn't so simple. It isn't so simple. So let's keep reading on. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Did you catch that? The Lord looked with favor on Abel. So, so Yahweh looked and he saw he had favor on Abel and upon the offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So it's really interesting. We can easily miss this. It's not just about the sacrifice, but it was about the person as well. About the person as well. Just like we aren't told why they offered a sacrifice, we aren't actually told in this narrative why God chose Abel's sacrifice over Cain's. We don't, we don't even know. The, the narrative doesn't actually tell us that. All we know is that Cain and Abel's sacrifice were, were, were intended to solve a problem, but instead it created a new one. It created a new problem. Continue on with the narrative. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Listen to this. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Did you hear that? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Cain is angry. He's angry. Why is he angry? Because God accepted his brother's sacrifice, not his. So he is very angry. But God comes to Cain like a father full of compassion, and he gives him guidance. Full of compassion. And he gives him guidance. He tells Cain that he has a choice. He has a choice of doing what is right and what is wrong. Isn't that true of our own lives? Quite often, we think about our greatest regrets. Before that, that moment happens, well, there's always a choice. Do I do it or don't I do it? Anybody ever been there before? Here's the thing. God didn't accept Cain's sacrifice, but this is what he says. He says, if you do what is right, what does it say? You will be accepted. This, it's got nothing to do. It's really interesting. It has nothing to do with the sacrifice. It was never about the sacrifice. But it was all about doing what is right, being righteous. What's, what's righteous? It's to do right by people and to do right by God. That's what it means to be a person of righteousness. That you're doing right by people. You're doing right by your wife. You're doing right by your kids. You're doing right by your parents. And here's the thing. When we do right by people, we do right by God. Because quite often think, well, I'm going to do right by God and I don't really care about the people around me. Well, it doesn't work like that. Because in order for us to do right by God, we have to do right by people. Because when we do right by God, we will do right by people. That's the way it works. Now, this story also reminds us of the choice that was before Adam and Eve, right? Doesn't it? Isn't this exactly what was the choice before Adam and Eve? And God, God asked Adam and Eve to choose life or death. You choose. That was the choice. To do what is right or to do what is wrong. That was the choice before them. 
It's very, very interesting. And so God is presenting the same choice before Cain. Cain has a chance to make right where his parents had failed. This is, this is such a, a vivid picture of what it's like for our, our own lives, these decisions that we make every single day. Do we choose between God's wisdom or our own? Isn't that so true? Here's the thing. Even when we choose what is right, sin is always, 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 always crouching at the door. The word for crouching is, is used of an animal stalking its prey. Like, you, you know, the stories of the lions and they're getting ready, they're stalking, they're having, looking through the grass and stalking. The animal has no idea, the, the victim has no idea that they're about to be pounced on. Well, this is the idea of this word crouching, of this hole there that it's crouching at the door. That, that sin is described as a creature, as a beast, as an animal crouching, waiting, 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 waiting to devour us. But here's the thing, just like Adam and Eve encountered a deceptive creature, right, that led them to sin, when the snake said to Adam and Eve, you know, did God really say? Right? So just like how they, they encountered this deceptive creature that led them to sin, but here God describes sin as a creature waiting to pounce. Sin is a predator. It's a predator looking for opportunities to destroy us. But here's the thing. God instructs Cain to do what? To rule over it. To rule over it. Because that's how God created us, right? To be co-rulers with him, to rule over creation, to rule over the beasts. And so now we have the beasts wanting to pounce over. And so God says, Tom, if you, you want you to re- reclaim what you and your brother tried to, tried to do with the sacrifice, well, here's your opportunity to rule over it, to rule over it, which means you have the ability to rule over whatever it is that's crouching at your door. Whatever, I have no idea what's crouching at your door, but you, what God has put inside of you, right? It's the test. God knows what He knows your resolve. And you have the ability to rule over whatever that is. Whatever that is. For Cain, his test is to choose whether or not to act out of anger. Has anybody ever acted out of anger before? Yeah, well, we, 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 all, we all can say, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I've done that. Right? I'm back there of anger and I'm like, oh my goodness, what the heck's going through? Why did I do that? And, 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 and it's tough and it's hard and we can understand. Maybe not to the extent of Cain. For Cain, is, you're right, he choose, do I act out of anger? Will he let anger turn, violence, turn to violence or will he rule over his sinful impulses? But here's the thing, unfortunately he too fails the test. Allowing his anger to turn to violence against his own brother, he murders Abel. He murders his brother despite God's warning and saying the sin is, is constant, waiting to devour you. The Apostle John, the other disciple who ran faster than Peter, when you read the uh, Easter story account, he, he describes it like this in one of his letters, 1 John chapter 3. So if you can turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. This is how John describes it in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So all of a sudden, John 
is bring us some, bringing a bit of light on this, whether this, about what they were like and what Cain and what Abel was like. Cain failed the test. His anger led to hatred. His hatred led to murder. It led to murder, which is why, which is why we've got to be very, very careful. Why did, why did it lead to murder? Why did Cain want to kill his brother? All right? Why did he want to do it? Because he was angry. He was angry. He wanted to murder him. And also because Abel was doing what is right. He was doing what is right. And what's doing right? To do right by people and do right by God. Which, when we go to the next verse, it gives us a bit of light what's going on in verse 13. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. John says, just like how Cain hated the actions of his brother, society is going to get offended at what you believe and what you stand for. You may already counter that in your workplace. Why? Because often our Christian view, views are at odds with what society believes, right? See, it's not like, oh, okay, 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 this is, oh, this is your Christian view, well, this is our, this is what we believe about this certain topic. It's not like, oh, well, okay, well, you know what? I respect your different view. I respect that you have a different view. That's okay. You believe that, we believe that. That's okay. Let's just, let's just let's continue to love one another. Most often, that's not the case. Most often, it's like, what? You have a different opinion to me? Well, if you have a different opinion to me on this subject, then I don't just not like you. I hate you. We see this in the media. The way that, that, that the media reacts over the views of Christians who take a stand on what they, what they believe, what the Bible says. Straight away, there's this, all these attacks. Rather than, okay, well, let's agree. Well, that, okay, that's what you believe that. Quite often, there's that attack. Well, actually, no. You believe that? Well, I hate you. That's a toxic, 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 toxic mindset. And that's another test, right, for believers. What do we do as believers in our workplaces? When we're surrounded by people who, who, have a, who live in a, in a way that is so far from God. And quite often, the test for us is, do I compromise my, my, my standards in God? Right? Do I compromise my standards of God or, or, or not? Do, you know, so I can just fit in with what everyone else is doing. Why, do, why, do, why does that come through our mind? Because, because no one likes to be ostracized. And John is saying this. The test will come daily. The test will come daily. Verse 14. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed, I love this, passed the test. We've passed from death to life. We've chosen life and not death. But a person who has, has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. See what John does there? You see what he's done? he just did there? He's talking about this, this idea of hate, right? If, you've got a, if, you've got, if you have hate in your heart, that's like murder. Where does he get that from? Where does he, where does he pull that from, right? Where does he, he's pulling this from, from what he's trying to say. Anyone who, anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. It is hatred that led Cain to murder his brother. So John associates hatred with murder. He pulls them together. If hatred rules your heart, you will never pass the test. You'll never pass the test. 
just like Cain, because of his hatred, he takes the life of his brother. Because hatred will take your peace. It will take your peace. It will take your marriage. It will take your family. Sin is crouching at your door. And it desires to have you. Then John, he leads us through to the one who passes the test. In verse 16. I love this verse. This verse is what's behind our vision. Real love serves. Verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If hatred ultimately reveals itself in murder, love reveals itself in sacrifice. Love does not destroy another's life. It never destroys another life, whether in thought or in action. Well, you did this to me, well, then I'm going to ruin you. You, you did this to, to you, you betrayed my trust, well, I'm going to destroy you. Hatred will take everything from you. Hatred will take your friendships. Hatred will take your marriage. It will take everything from you. Come on. God loved you so much that he laid his life down for you, even when you were spitting in his face, even when you turned your back on him, even when you gave up on him, he died for you anyway. Because love gives and hate takes. Love always gives, always gives. Hate will always take. So what does this mean for us? It means that God himself became human to pass the test on our behalf. To show us what real love is. And that's the test before us today, isn't it? The same test that was before Adam and Eve, the same test that was before Cain is the same test before us. Do you choose life or do we choose death? Are we going to live by God's wisdom or are we going to live by our own? The choice is always up to us. Always. It means that God's definition of love is sacrificial. That's what our journey to the cross looks like. Right? This is what our journey to the cross looks like. What does it look like? It looks like love. It looks like Forgiveness. It looks like Jesus. It is love that gives without counting the cost. Right? Ah, oh, should I? I'm not sure if I love this person because if I love this, but this, then this this will happen. Now, love gives without counting the cost. Love always gives, without any thought of return, without weighing up if this person deserves my love or not. Right? It's love that's entirely without self-interest because love, love, love always gives. And I love the songs we sung this morning because I don't know if you noticed it. It's about this one love. And it's His love. Love always gives and hate takes. That's why sin is like this dangerous beast 
crouching. And it desires to have you. That's its desire to have you. Because hate always takes the place. It desires to have your dreams. It desires to have your ministry. It desires to take your hope and your joy. But I'm here to tell you, come on, that the test has already been passed on our behalf. Jesus came to do the work that humanity could not. To restore our life, to restore our joy, to restore our peace and restore us as the image bearers of God. Here's the thing. I don't need vengeance anymore. I don't need to be vindicated anymore. All I need is Jesus. He's all I need. Because the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same power that's inside of you. So how do we overcome the beast? How do we pass the test? Come on. By loving and forgiving those around us. Because love gives and hate takes.